There are acronyms in the sports world that you know you and I know very well. Just the mention of them can can get us excited, right? The MLB, the NFL, uh, CFB. When we're talking about the NCAA, but in the off season, there's one that everyone loves to talk about. You guys at home, I'm sure, are going to catch on very very quickly if you've read the title of this episode. Trey, today we're talking football power index, the FPI. Nothing is more polarizing in the offseason, maybe other than recruiting rankings and mythical stars being assigned at random, it seems like sometimes, to your favorite or least favorite prospects. Uh, but today we're talking FPI and specifically going over the top 15 teams as ESPN has compiled them. Uh, we're going to look through some of the schedules, really talk about what it means if a team can overachieve, can get over those that hump, the, the over-under, and what happens if they fall below that. But first, it's Mother's Day. Uh, I'm not necessarily wishing you a happy Mother's Day, but what did you do today? <laughs> you know, we got our Mother's Day plans uh, taken care of yesterday. We are, bo- both my wife and I are kind of far from our mothers, so we did uh, definitely called and checked in, but we did get to see my mom yesterday and spent a whole five days with Alyssa's mom and her whole family last weekend. So right. yeah, lots of fun times, lots of uh, just great times. Shout out to all the moms out there. Thank you for all yep. that you do. And yep. we hope that as you're listening to this, everyone took care of you yesterday. And if not, they're making up for it on this Monday morning as you're listening <laughs> That's to right. it. That's right. Maybe you missed the memo. Maybe you forgot the flowers. Maybe it's you ordered it too late. It's arriving a day late. Um, yes, absolutely. Happy Happy Mother's Day to uh, to everyone who listens. I know my mom uh, is a very frequent listener of our show. So whenever you get to this, mom, Happy Mother's Day. Love you. Thank you for all that you do. Um, Trey, also shout out to those that make this show and our reach possible. Our friends over at the Transfer Portal CFB as well as our friends at University Traditions. Uh, first sponsor to jump on board. We've really enjoyed that relationship. They make some of the best hats in the game, uh, and they know that you want to rep your team while also being able to wear your hat to just normal events without having a big old logo plastered on it. So uh, we partnered with them uh, really because of that authenticity. They've sent us a number of their collections, the Knoxville College Station, Auburn collection. Um, Trey, I've got a Fayetteville collection. I've got a Lexington collection waiting to be distributed over to you guys uh, this week when we hit up the old ball field. So yeah, a lot of things coming out of University Traditions. Actually, if you go over to their website right now, uh, University Traditions Biz, I think, dot biz is their website. If you go over there or search them on social media, they're marking down a lot of their older collections, trying to make room for 2023 merch. So you can get really great looking hats for like $15 right now. Plus, the best part of it, if you use 3Tech15, 3Tech15, you get 15% off on top of whatever discount they're offering already. So go on over to University Traditions, uh, whether it's their website, through their social media, check them out, let them know that we sent you and uh, get yourself some great merch. I know we've really enjoyed having their hats. Yeah, can't say enough good things about uh, the hats. They, I get complimented every time I wear my College Station collection out in public that lexington collection i know is going to look awesome too so i'm excited to get that one in my possession this week that's right that's right uh well trey let's get into it then uh topic of the day fpi as i talked about the top 15 are what we're going to focus on here and just for the housekeeping I'll, i'll run over this here at the start so one through 15 it's ohio state alabama georgia lsu texas are your top five Michigan, USC, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Penn State are your top 10. And then Oklahoma, Tennessee, Oregon, Florida State, and Utah round out your top 15. I don't think there's any shocking name 
inside that top 15, but are there any teams and maybe their placements that stand out to you? Yeah, I think anytime the two-time defending national champions aren't ranked number one, and you know, I know they're losing the the metrics, the analytics aren't going to like them as much because of the returning production that they're losing. They're losing 100% of their passing volume, obviously, with Stetson Bennett going to the NFL. But, you know, having two teams in front of them, especially, you know, Alabama, who didn't even win their division last year, uh, in front of Georgia is a little, you know, surprising to me. But outside of that, Texas always seems to jump up into the top five or top ten of these things around this time of year. Yep. Michigan being as low as number six after they've won the Big Ten in back-to-back years, I'm sure is very interesting to their fan base. But, you know, talent and star rankings and, you know, returning production, like I said, is a huge, huge factor in these rankings. I, I think Alabama being at number two is the most shocking to me because if yeah. you go over to DraftKings and we're going to incorporate some of these over-unders into these teams as we talk about them, the betting favorite is that Alabama goes under the 10.5 win total uh, that's set as their line, which I think I'm inclined to agree with. I think 10 wins is is pretty much where I'm going to have Alabama sitting this year. So I think to have them starting off at number two ahead of Georgia – the other thing that really stands out to me is the win-out percentages. We talked about um, at the end of the national championship game in that recap video that Georgia's schedule, aside from a game against Tennessee and then you know South Carolina and Florida, you can make of them whatever that you will. I think it's looking like South Carolina is going to be the much stronger of those two teams. But we were having to squint to find a loss that kept Georgia out of the playoffs. And I think the general consensus was that they had a really good shot of running the table once again. ESPN disagrees with us, though. The FPI says that they have a 22.4% chance of winning out, while Ohio State has a 34.3% chance of winning out. Um, And then the playoff percentages are 82.2 for Ohio State, 63.1 for Georgia. So... It seems like the metrics are are saying maybe pump the brakes on this Georgia three P campaign. Yeah, and you know you do have to take those numbers in context because both that twenty two point four and sixty three point one are second nationally in both of those categories. So they're the second most likely team nationally to go undefeated, second most likely team nationally to make the playoffs behind Ohio State in both of those. It, it it's really just kind of hedging, I think, at this point for Georgia because. It, look, t- the Tennessee game is going to be tough. They are have they have a history of stubbing their toe before these last couple of years, at least once to someone in the SEC East. They have the neutral site game in Florida that's always going to be a heated rivalry game. There's an well, opportunity for them that, to... I was just going to say, that might not be neutral site. They, they're doing renovations to TIA Bank Stadium. This year? Yeah. Oh, and there's wow. A chance, there's a chance that won't be neutral site, from what I understand. Oh, wow. And then, wow. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. So uh, whether that's in uh, in Florida or at home, it's a, it's going to be a heated rivalry game. Uh, so, you know, opportunity for that to... I, I'm just thrown off by that now. Where are the Jacksonville Jaguars going to play this year? Uh, just doing a trial season in London, maybe. But uh, They're playing twice in London, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, th- there's plenty of opportunities for Georgia to have an oopsie game but i think the odds if you're telling me you know pulling up their over under right now on DraftKings, it's it's right there at 11 and a half so you have to bet are they going to lose two regular season games for my money i'm not betting that they're going to lose two regular season games and that the odds on favorite at minus 150 is agreeing with that yeah uh quick quick fact check so it's actually the 2025 2026 seasons that gotcha. are in danger. okay so I, the first report that I read did actually didn't have a date. So I'm realizing I just jumped the gun and assumed it was this season, uh, coupled with the fact that Jacksonville is playing multiple games in London, which is hilarious. That team can never catch a break as far as the London series. Um, well, they sign so up anyway. for it. From what I've heard, they sign up for it because yeah. they, they have so much trouble filling their home stadium. So they just sign up to the NFL and say, hey, send us to London. We actually have a pretty good fan base in London because we play there every year. And so they're more likely to get a sold-out crowd across the pond than they are in their home stadium. Maybe that'll change now that Trevor Lawrence and those guys are winning football games. But You you would hope, right? You would hope. 
Um, that Georgia, uh, just going back to that Georgia schedule real quick. I mean, they don't leave the state of they don't leave home until September 30th when they play at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Their first, you know, road game against a winning team from last year isn't until that game at Tennessee on November 18th. So, sure, they could there could be a trap game. They are playing that that neutral site game against Florida on October 28th. It looks like, but even the home road splits this year just seem very, very favorable from the uh, West. They catch Auburn and Ole Miss. I mean, after Ole Miss is closed to the season last year, I don't think that you're necessarily shaking your boots to play the rebels. So, right. I mean, and and that game's at home. So not a lot of opportunities to lose one, definitely not a lot of opportunities to lose two. If everything clicks, like we think it will. I feel a little bit better about Auburn this year. And we've talked about it. They've got a lot of, young talent they're rebuilding the trenches they just got a legit quarterback in Peyton Thorne meanwhile at Ole Miss um you just dismiss Chris Marshall from the team so your wide receiver core just took a hit um you've got Quinshawn Judkins which is great but you brought in three transfer quarterbacks to compete with Jackson Dart and so when you talk about a case of too many cooks in the kitchen I mean the saying is if you have two quarterbacks do you even have one what are you supposed to do if you have four quarterbacks? I mean, Kiffin's going to be like going to the bullpen mid first quarter if if Dart or whoever wins the opening day job isn't getting it done. Yeah, it. I have no idea what he's doing running that program in Oxford. It, it he's seemed, like an opener, a middle innings guy, and then a closer. Like, what are we doing here? It could be revolutionary. It could fail spectacularly. It, it's going to be one of those two with Lane Kiffin. We know that much. It'll either be game-changing that everyone raves about forever, or it's going to fail spectacularly, and he's looking for a new job sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so Georgia, we feel... I feel like the absolute floor is one loss, right? I mean, I feel like the floor is one loss. It depends who that loss comes to, but to me, unless it's to Tennessee outright, I think they're making the SEC East or the SEC Championship as the the contender out of the East, and they're probably going on to make the playoff. You would assume. I mean, just from where I sit, I don't know that anybody in the West stacks up on paper. As, as good as Georgia does. And we'll talk about Alabama in just a second, but I want us to go back to the top of the list with Ohio state. You know, you were talking about the metrics hating on Georgia a little bit because they're replacing so much of their production. Obviously they continue to churn out NFL draft picks or really Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the rest of the league isn't allowed to touch them for Ohio state. They're losing their quarterback too. And for my money, I, I'll take the Georgia quarterback room over what Ohio State has right now. Kyle McCord is not, from what I have read, seize that starting job and just run with it. So with a question mark at quarterback, or at least somebody who's taken the reins that's very much unproven at a championship level, what do you see at Ohio State um, that makes you think, yes, this should be the team that's atop the FPI. Well, I think the difference is, you know, you look at Carson Beck versus um, Kyle McCord, and that that's a fair argument, right? I think I, I agree with you. I think on paper, Carson Beck is probably, I, I would lean towards him as a better overall prospect right now from what we've seen on, on the field in college. But the difference is who, is, who Kyle McCord is going to get to throw the ball to, right? Mm-hmm. There's sure. not two 1,100-yard wide receivers walking through the door at Georgia next year. They have talented guys. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're going to out-athlete most of the teams that they face um, yeah. on the outside, and they're going to have some beasts that rack up yardage and rack up statistics, but th- they're not going to have Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Agupa, uh, excuse me, Emeka Agupa, uh next year. Easy for me to say. So... <laughs> I mean, that that's really where it comes from for me for Ohio State. And you're, you're playing in the Big Ten. I think the likelihood that Ohio State wins out. Now, obviously, we've said that the past couple of years. And Michigan has spoiled those dreams two years in a row now. Sure. Uh, just absolutely shattering the hearts of the Buckeye faithful two years in a row. But I, I think it's a little tr- trickier this year for Ohio State as well. I'm pulling up their schedule you know, obviously, the divisional games with uh, Michigan that they've struggled with the last couple of years. 
Penn State is a team that I think we're going to talk about later in this episode that we are uh, all three of us here at the Three Technique are very high on for the coming year. They're cross-divisional games. They they have a home game against Notre Dame, uh, or sorry, a road game against Notre Dame um, to return that trip from last year. And their cross-divisional games are at Purdue, at Wisconsin, and at home against Minnesota. Wisconsin, a team that I know we've already hyped up as well that's going to be looking for a big early program-defining win for Luke Fickle. So, man, I, I don't know. Ohio State, I think if you're asking me, which team is more likely to lose two games next year? I think it's Ohio State, but um, I, all, I I don't think I would bet on either of those two. Ohio State currently at 10.5 over-under as well, so you do have to bet are they going to lose two games, and the odds-on favorite is it, it looks like actually under 10.5 is the odds-on betting favorite right now. Ohio State's got a tricky schedule, uh, and and that's I'm I'm surprised – I'm surprised that Ohio State is as much of a leader in the FPI as they are. So they've they're a full four points ahead of where Georgia is. They're three and change ahead of Alabama. So in the FPI metrics, that's a that's a kind of sizable chunk, right? I mean, uh, to give context, that's basically the the gap between Georgia and what they're ranking. Uh, Michigan and Texas down at. Uh, that's a little bit larger of a gap, but about a five-point gap. So to to just go from 31.5 to 27.4, like what does that mean without context? In the system, the, the algorithm is very confident in Ohio State, but like you just said, they've got to go to Notre Dame. They've got to go to West Lafayette. I mean, how many times have weird things happened in West Lafayette against the spoiler makers, right? Uh, It's probably now it is a Saturday game. So maybe the recipe for shenanigans and tomfoolery is, is is a little bit reduced by the fact that it's not like a Thursday or a Friday night game. Uh, At at that point, you might have to pencil that in as a loss for Ohio (laughs) state, but you know, then again, you you take on Penn state um, and a relatively difficult charge down the back stretch of the season as well. Michigan State, Minnesota, Michigan. I just, I, I know that Ohio State has all the weapons in the world offensively, wide receiver uh, wise, especially, and they've got some really good running backs. But when I look at what that defense struggled to do at times, and it's going to be year two of Jim Knowles. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, you would like to think that a year plus Guys have bought into that system. They they know his playbook. They know how to be kind of intelligently aggressive. At the same time, until Kyle McCord steps on that field and is taking a shot under the chin strap in South Bend, I don't know that I'm going to bank on Ohio State even being the favorite in my mind to win the division. I and I've I've already said this. I think Penn State is going to win the Big Ten. I would even put Michigan up there kind of right with Ohio State. In my mind, I think there's a really good chance that Ohio State finds a way to slip and lose two of these games. I, I wonder, you know, we so much of our conversation last year about Ohio State was, are they physical enough when it really counts? And I wonder from you, Mitch, from your perspective, did the way that they played Georgia on New Year's Eve in the college football playoff semifinal, did that answer any of those questions for you? Because it seemed like, you know, obviously they didn't win the game, and that's what's most important. But it seems like that could have been, from a program standpoint, a turning point for the Buckeyes that they really answered a lot of those questions. I hope it was because I would like Ohio State to put up or shut up a little bit, um, and I think that's obviously what their fan base wants too. With Ryan Day, I look the naysayers that were calling for Ryan Day's job after that loss. Come on, guys, what are we doing? Uh, Ryan Day has he won the big one yet? No. Um, but he's consistently put you within reach of greatness. And I think for a fan base like Ohio state, like Alabama, now like Georgia, who just becomes accustomed to that, like Clemson, uh, we heard, you know, the tantrums thrown when they went 10 and two, the sky was falling. And it's like, guys, I mean, remember still where a top from, guys, Seriously. they're still a top 10 team. Yeah. Like you guys were lucky to win eight games when, when Dabo took over. So I, I do think that there's you know some spoiled fan syndrome that goes on there, um, 
But I really would like to see Ohio State either get it done and win a national title um, or kind of go away, to be honest. Like, just because of all the media, all the hype, and again, I don't have a dog in that fight. Like, I'm not an Ohio State fan, so take it with a grain of salt. I like the parody in college sports, and so they've been so dominant for certainly the last several years but they haven't been able to get it done. I do wonder if another year under Jim Knowles' system um, is going to be beneficial for that defense, but I, I have a hard time thinking that offense is going to be better than it was with C.J. Stroud. I mean, yeah, sure, he had his faults. Um, you know, There were times where the guy didn't know how to, to deal with, with a pass rush, but he still went number two overall to the Houston Texans, right? Like a really, really good quarterback talent. I don't know if Kyle McCord is that or not. Yeah, I mean, the offensive staff at Ohio State is certainly going to have to earn their money. We talk, we've talked so much about Alabama not having an NFL-caliber quarterback, but, I mean, the last two at Ohio State, right, were current NFL starters. Um, so yeah. it not having a, that guaranteed locked and loaded guy, and Kyle McCord could certainly be that guy. I, I'm not sure. saying that he won't develop into that. We just haven't seen it yet. But I think that they're going to have to rely on their athleticism on the outside like they always have. They're going to have to rely on the running game a little bit more, and that has not always worked out well for Ohio State when they get into these big physical matchups. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. That test at Notre Dame week four is going to be fascinating to see how they adjust to that game because it's not going to be like the one last year. If you remember that game week one last year, it was a slugfest. We thought it answered the questions about can Ohio State be physical because they played a physical brand of football against Notre Dame. But that Notre Dame offense this year is going to be a completely different animal with Sam Hartman running the show. So, yeah, that that's one that I'm circling in the September calendar for sure. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun game. You know, the other thing, we, we've kind of danced around Alabama. Who's their quarterback, right? We talked about that the last couple of weeks. We're, we're not... Tyler Buckner, we're not, starting quarterback, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Uh, I think you're going to have a lot of really unhappy fans in T-Town if that's the case, but... Then again, he truly might be your best option. I'm not saying that Kyle McCord can't be a difference maker. I think I am saying that Tyler Buckner can't be a difference maker. I mean, he had so many opportunities at Notre Dame. And if you're if you're going to say, well, it was uh, it was the play calling or it was it was the talent, like all right, I'll give you that the wide receivers at Notre Dame aren't as good as they are Alabama, but at the same time Who's the wide receiver one at Alabama who's supposed to be a generational talent? I don't I don't know that they have. Let's <laughs> tell me because I, I don't know. I, that, and that's been the knock on Alabama the last couple of years. Is they'll have a guy like uh, Devontae Smith that, that goes off, right? But by and large, wide receiver has been a little bit of a weak position for Alabama as far as they can recruit the snot out of the position, right? Five since or since five. 2019, probably. Like, like 2019, they had about five of those guys on the roster at one yeah. time. But yeah, since then, it's been it's been slim picking since Devontae Smith walked out the door. And then you bring in Tommy Reese to run the offense, which I think everybody kind of felt like it was a little bit of a a little bit of an anticlimactic conclusion to that coaching search. So I don't know. Maybe on one hand, you could say, well, the the pieces around. Buckner are so comfortable that maybe he's able to thrive with a little bit of a talent upgrade. On the other hand, I didn't see him do much at Notre Dame. So, you know, I, I, again, I just think quarterback is such an interesting position this year, especially when compared to teams like LSU, like Michigan, like USC, um, that, that are returning their guys that, that have, you know, kind of bona fide studs at the position. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how the quarterback battle shakes out at Alabama. Uh, as I mentioned, and, and this wasn't like on our featured list, but I, I want to get your thoughts on it as well. Alabama, when you look at the over-under on DraftKings, is actually a betting favorite. The under is the betting favorite right now on wins and losses. The over at 10 and a half is uh, plus 125. The under is minus 145. Is this kind of setting up to be an anticlimactic year for Alabama? Maybe another disappointing season? 
Oh, I think it absolutely is. I think we we've hit we've been hitting that point hard that we don't think Alabama's going to win the SEC West this year. I don't think any of the three of us, as the roster stands right now, are going to project them to lose, you know, fewer than two games, and that's what it would take to win the SEC West. When you have an LSU team uh, that's that's going to be trying to repeat, you've got tons of talent up and down that division. A Tennessee team that just beat them last year, they're going to have to face again. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a smart bet right now. If you're wanting to make an investment on that over under, you should bet the under right now. <laughs> not uh, not financial advice. Do not financial do, advice. Do whatever you want with your own shekels. But I agree. I uh, I don't know that I would be throwing any harder in American currency on the over there, um, just because I don't know that I trust the offensive side of that roster right now. The offensive side of a roster that I am thinking. I trust is Texas. Uh, the Longhorns, again, another quarterback question mark. Is Quinn Ewers the guy? You have a lot of fans that are saying that, you know, Art should be given more of a shot. Uh, Steve, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, excuse me, has already named Quinn Ewers a starter after the spring game. So Quinn has that job security going into week one. Um, but it gets hot out of the gate quick. They open with Rice. They go to Alabama. Uh, on September the 9th, and they have Wyoming, so a little Isaiah Nair revenge game, hopefully if he's healthy. Um, and then they jump into conference play with Baylor, Kansas, and Oklahoma. Now, say what you will about Baylor, and maybe you doubt Kansas's ability to repeat, but those aren't pushover games. Um, you're at Baylor, you're at Alabama. Those could be two difficult road contest that could kind of separate the men for the boys in the quarterback room at Texas. Still, I kind of find myself leaning towards that over DraftKings has their over under set at nine and a half. The slight betting favorite is the over. Um, as I'm, I believe I'm reading that right. Uh, yep. To, I got that to too. go over nine and a half wins. I kind of inclined to agree with them. I, I think as, as I'm looking at their schedule, ten and two. If the offense can get rolling, that defense really improved last season. If that offense can get rolling, I could easily see a ten win season. I need to see it before I can get on board with that. And I think, <laughs> That's fair. Listen, I um, we go through the same song and dance every single year. I wish I could conveniently pull up the FPI from the last you know decade or so. Yeah, for Texas, because I feel like we, we go through this every single year. The last time they won, Mitch, do you want to take a crack at the last time they won 10 games in the regular season, not counting the bowl game and conference championship game? Uh, 2009? 2008? That is correct. Yeah, 2009, Colt McCoy leading them to the national championship game. So it's been a minute since we've had double-digit wins in Austin. I know we had the Sugar Bowl year with Sam Ellinger, but – Again, talking only uh, regular season here because that's what counts for the over-under. So I have to see it before I believe it. And I think that if they don't hit that nine and a half over-under, that the seat is starting to get very, very warm for Steve Sarkeesian because all of a sudden, you know, all the hype, all the, you know, glitz and glamour, the quarterbacks he's brought in there. Yeah, you brought in the two highest, two of the highest rated quarterbacks of all time. But you're just showing that you're another guy at Texas that's bringing in the talent but can't do anything with it if you don't win with it this year and go out with a bang in the Big 12. Because are you going to bet on them to hit their over the first year in the SEC? I I don't know what I would. Obviously, we don't know what the schedule is like, but that's going to be a huge step up in competition. We talk about at Baylor being a tough game. How about at Georgia or at Tennessee (laughs) or at Florida? So, yeah, I, I need to see it before I believe it to see, you know, to get on board with Texas being a 10-win program. The schedule seems manageable, though. I will say that. It starts out, you know, other than the Alabama game, we talked about if they can beat Alabama on the road with all the advantages that they are going to have in that game. I know it's at Alabama, but they're going to have the quarterback advantage, most likely. I know we haven't been that high on Quinn, but I think he'll be better than whatever Alabama is throwing out there. They're going to have some skill position talent. You talk about receivers. Texas is probably going to have the better receivers in that yeah. game. Uh, so they will have some advantages. And if they can figure out a way to steal that one on the road, then maybe I'll start to believe uh, that that can be a 10-win team. But again, that 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 just got to see it before I believe it. 
Yeah, the Alabama secondary is going to be young as well. I mean, I know Caleb Downs is so far looking like a generational safety prospect, a five-star, absolutely dominated in their spring game. I mean, there's a really good chance that Saban runs out an 18-year-old true freshman at one of the safety spots in Caleb Downs for for that game against Texas. Uh, and I know they got, I believe his name is Jaden Key, Jalen Jaden Key, a uh, transfer over from UAB, a guy who can play all over corner, nickel, safety. He's going to be a really big addition, um, but he's going to have to get his feet wet over the summer and in fall camp, right? I mean, he, he transferred post-spring ball. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit down on Alabama. I don't know that I'm like stock up majorly on Texas, but you know, I think I could if if I'm if I'm just now buying stock in Texas, you can get a return on your money. You're, I think you're probably going to be in the green at the end of the year. Yeah, um, you're still so, buying low right now for sure. Yeah. So anyway, I, you, you you talk about their schedule being manageable. I mean. The Red River rivalry shootout, whatever we're calling it now, uh, beginning of October, they have a bye week. Then it's at Houston. Very crucially, they have home against BYU, home against Kansas State. I mean, those could be two nightmare road games if it was reversed. Uh, At TCU, at Iowa State. uh, I mean, Iowa State, I think, is going to be a bad program this year. And then they get to finish the year at home against Texas Tech. Game that could be for a spot in Arlington. Which legitimately could be. I mean, hey, if Joey Mack gets his way and the Big 12 runs through Lubbock, um, that that would be a fun game to watch Thanksgiving weekend. But we'll have to see. That that schedule doesn't scare me if they get past Alabama. And right now, Trey, if you just made me flip a coin and pick one of the two teams, I'm going to take Texas. They should have won last year at home, and that was with a massive – not a massive talent advantage on Alabama's side, but Alabama should have won that game by two scores and they fiddle farted that game nearly into a loss. I don't think they, I I don't, I don't even think they have the opportunity to do that this next year. I think the Longhorns come into Tuscaloosa and and win by right now sitting here, May 14th. I'm going to say they win by double digits. I say they win by 10. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pulling up right now. I'm trying to see if there's already an early line on that game, but um not finding it easily. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think that they're certainly capable of beating Alabama, and that would be definitely on brand for Texas in the last decade or so to get that big sure. win early in the season. But again, you know, even if they beat Alabama, that would be a huge sign of a step forward, but you know, you don't necessarily on name alone, pencil in a loss the rest of the way. But last year, were you penciling in a loss to Tech or TCU no. or, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, they TCU, yes, struggle with Oklahoma State. Well, we weren't yeah. penciling in a loss to TCU in May of last year. Oh, right? that's that's true. Like we, we were not concerned about TCU. So even, you know, the, the Iowa States of the world, we're not worried about them right now, but that was a three-point game last year in Austin. So yeah, they're, they're a Xavier Hutchinson don't jump for no reason catch away from losing that game at home yep exactly so uh, yeah even if even if they beat alabama if beating alabama in tuscaloosa would undoubtedly be a signature win for steve sarkeesian it would undoubtedly show that he is moving in the right direction but he would still need the rest of that season to prove to the fan base that it wasn't just a fluke yeah i agree um let's move down the list a little bit i i think so what we're likely going to do is is you know talk about some more FPI teams next week. I think there's as we get closer to <clears throat> excuse me as we get closer to the off season ending or at least heading into media days, you're going to start having our previews. You're going to have uh, have us start to discuss conferences as a whole, teams and schedules. I think that's where we can really get into like LSU. Are they the SEC West favorite? Are they head and shoulders better? Than Alabama, I think that deserves a more full discussion and, and hopefully one with with Garrett able to be on as well. But let's slide down to the Clemson Tigers. Uh, the Clemson Tigers are the top ACC team on this list, and you don't have another one until Florida State at fourteen. Florida State's lost some some players in the transfer portal as of late, and might have dampered a little bit of the Florida State for ACC championship 
uh, train. Now I'm still way up in my Knowles coin, so I'm I'm still feeling good. Uh, you know, we've we've sold off a little bit of it to to lock in some of those gains, but I still feel really good about the the direction of that program. But Clemson being this high and right behind the USC Trojans in FPI rank, they come in at number eight, a full point ahead of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish at nine. Does that surprise you? I mean, do do we do we are we that bullish on Cade Klubnik in what will be his first full season as a starter? I mean, again, you talk about things people we haven't seen it from yet. Cade Klubnik came in as a freshman and did did some really nice things, right? You, you look yeah. back at that North Carolina ACC championship game that he just he I, I, don't, I can't remember if he started that game. Do you remember if DJ you started that game or if he did? I. Uh, oh, that's a good question. I can't, but for some reason, I'm picturing him coming in after a bad drive from. I think you're right. I think like DJU started that like two drives in. They were both failures, and so then they brought Klubnik in. But yeah, I'll check on that. yeah. That that's what I'm remembering for some reason. If we're wrong, totally fine. But look, he he's had some moments. He had some flashes. I think that he showed you know a lot of potential last year, but. He certainly, I certainly wouldn't put him over Jordan Travis if we're ranking the ACC quarterbacks right now. I certainly wouldn't put him over Sam Hartman from Notre Dame um, if we're just looking at like who's on their schedule for this year. So it, it's going to be a big, big question mark going in. And, you know, ever since Trevor Lawrence left, that offense has not looked good. And outside of the Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence years, we've talked about a lot on this show how Dabo really needs to kind of win some of the doubters back. And he started to make some moves that are really uncharacteristic of him that show that he is starting to feel a little pressure, starting to get a little bit, not desperate, but you know, the, the standard has been lowered just a little bit. They're not the elite of the elite in college football anymore since Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson have gone out that door. And the offense has really struggled. The defense has carried them to, double digit win seasons in the ACC, but not doing anything of significance. So I really think this is kind of a tenure, maybe not big picture tenure, but future defining year for Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. And if he's able to get it back on track, if Cade Klubnik's able to be the guy, they win the ACC and sneak into the playoff, then all is well. And you look at Clemson as maybe one of the big winners heading into the air of the 12 team playoff when their path is just going to be that much easier but if it's another year where Dabo can't get it done and that offense just looks soulless without a NFL starting caliber quarterback then I mean lots of questions are being able to be uh, asked about you know what's going on in Death Valley yeah I I will give Cade credit um you were right DJ you did start that that championship game against North Carolina the Drive chart is depressing. Uh, three plays for two yards and a punt in 58 seconds. The second drive, three plays, five yards, a minute 58 time of possession, punt. Klubnik comes in, touchdown, 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 field goal. Uh, and then I think we get to the second half. Yeah. So, I mean, that if that doesn't like encapsulate how last season went for Clemson, <laughs> offensively at quarterback um you know I, I don't know what else does the issue is then the consistency right now i mean he's a he's a true freshman he's fresh right. out of high school right they get drilled by tennessee in the orange bowl 31 14 the offense once again looks anemic so you could make the argument that well you know Klubnik didn't have the full playbook this was a simplified version i totally hear you clemson still wasn't able to do some basic things right um, against the Tennessee defense that was not exactly known for shutting teams out, right? I mean, they, right, yeah. they found a way to win, but the defense was more the bend, don't, don't break mold than, than the 85 Bears. So I would, I would cautiously, I, I would approach the season with cautious optimism for Clemson, right? The recruiting continues to be great, not elite, um, I think they're a step behind the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world and the Ohio State. Um, although Ohio State's class this last year wasn't exactly elite either. But they're they're doing enough, I think, to win and, like you said, to compete for titles in the ACC. That's really all that matters is 
if they can own their path to the playoff and get in with maybe they go 10 and 2 some years maybe it's an 11 and 1 season but they're constantly winning the ACC championship game that's going to continue to to fuel the program to keep that fire lit to keep recruits coming to death valley that's the key if they somehow start slipping where now florida state is winning acc titles heaven forbid a miami come up and finally win an acc title if north carolina has a resurgence etc that's when i think it could fall apart very very quickly because right now of course it's easy to think yes they have a tradition of winning the culture is great this is what clemson football is they win acc championships running away and they go to the college football playoff where they compete for national titles they had an elite run a couple of years ago but overall the program doesn't have this huge tradition of just constantly winning nine ten games every single season i think if for whatever reason clemson decided to to poke Dabo out the door push him you know whenever Saban retires if if the grass is greener in Tuscaloosa I would worry about the Clemson program as a whole um now that those are future issues but you know you, you don't Rome wasn't built in a day um you could also say that it's not necessarily destroyed in a day and so I am a little a little worried about Clemson but this season their schedule Tell you what, their schedule has a really interesting start. September's um, tricky. September yeah. is really tricky. Started to read off last year's schedule and went, nope, that's not right. <laughs> Duke versus Duke. No, I'm sorry. At Duke. At Duke. Oh, they're oh, shout out to their SID for putting versus for away games. That's not how that that uh that works. On Monday night too. So like eyes oh, yeah. of the nation are on Winston or on Durham, North Carolina. Hey, and Riley Leonard's Probably the best quarterback in that matchup, right? I most go Dookie for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charleston Southern, FAU, which could be plucky now with Tom Herman running the running the offense down there. Forgot about that. Thank you for reminding. Versus me. Florida State to yeah. finish September. Or no, I'm sorry. And then they go to Syracuse. So, I mean, September's tricky. September's <laughs> tricky. Like we talked about it last year with DJU versus Cade Klubnik and when they would call for DJU's head. You know, if they went three and two in that opening month, that didn't end up happening. I don't know if they would be calling for Klubnik's head because I don't know who else would come in to replace him. Like Klubnik's supposed to be the franchise guy for the next three to four that's, years. That's what I was going to mention because the last couple of years, you've at least been able to point to somebody on the bench and say, you don't hey, have it. You know, if, if this doesn't work out, then that guy is going to be the answer. But that's not existent anymore. Yeah, no. Um. So, I mean, you know, Charleston's Duke should be a win. I mean. In a vacuum, Duke should be a win. Plenty of room for that to go wrong. Charleston Southern should be a win. FAU should be a win. Right now, I'm penciling in Florida State as a loss. I'm higher on Florida State than I am Clemson. It's a great deal that that game's at home. I'll tell you that. Uh, and then you have to go to the Dome. Mm, that's <laughs> Things could get bad in Death Valley really quick if you if you're on the wrong side of a couple of those games. Well, and to be fair to Clemson, because I think we've kind of thrown them around a little bit. Like we were having some of these conversations last year as well, and they somehow found a way to reel off uh, what was it, like an eight no start yeah. uh, to the season before getting thumped in South Bend. So, look, we were having these conversations that we're having about Duke and Florida State about Wake Forest and NC State last year, and yeah. Clemson found a way in both of those games. So. They have the talent to run through the table. They have the talent to go undefeated on this schedule. But if the quarterback and the offense don't click, there will be some slip-ups. I'm th- at least two slip-ups that maybe cost them a chance at the title. Uh, last team that we'll talk about here on this episode, and like I said, if you want more of this, I, th- I think we're planning on doing more of this, but go ahead and, and let us know in the comments at uh, 3TechPod on Instagram, on Twitter. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube. Just let us know who you want us to talk about. Penn State, my favorite to come out of the Big Ten this year. And I'll tell you why. Again, an unproven quarterback, uh, another guy who's got a lot of stars next to his name, but not a lot of on-field production so far And Drew Aller. And yet, what we saw from him last year in glimpses was so much better than what anything that Sean Clifford could offer it really makes me believe that this Penn State offense, the defense is is usually pretty solid. 
but it makes me think that this offense could be a whole lot of fun to watch with Nick Singleton in the backfield, some talented wide receivers. I think Drew Aller could usher in kind of that next wave of Penn State football that they've been a rung below Michigan and in Ohio State. It might be able to propel them, not in like a legacy, you know, kind of equivalence, but you're not counting Penn State out in either of those games. I think the way that you have maybe the last couple of seasons. And that schedule's not terrible, Trey. It's really yeah. not. Yeah, and I'm pulling up the schedule right now. And, you know, West Virginia is the marquee non-conference game. I don't think anybody is, uh, you know, sweating in their boots to play West Virginia this year. And Neil Brown is on his last limb there. Also, Delaware and UMass are the other two non-conference games. So not a lot of worries there. We talked about the division schedule with Ohio State, but you've got, you know, uh, at Ohio State, always going to be tough. But Michigan at home. Probably going to be the whiteout game, I'm assuming, and uh, at Michigan State to close the season out. So, yeah, I mean, it sets up really nicely for them to make a run. I think, you know, you're right to say that the defense is probably going to be solid. I am worried about losing Parker Washington and losing, I think, their top two or three receiving weapons from last year. They did bring in, they brought in a a really nice transfer, right? Dante Cephas, right? Transferred in from Kent State. So that that could definitely be a big upgrade and a big boost to them. But I do with Penn State, I'm always going to worry about the just explosiveness to keep up with Ohio State. Even when Ohio State struggles with Michigan, it seems like Penn State is never physical enough to bully Ohio State or athletic enough to keep up with Ohio State. And they try to play this hybrid of a game when they play the Buckeyes and it just really doesn't go well for them usually. So, you know, if we, if we can pick an identity and we can pick a, a pick a way to beat uh, Ohio state and just commit to that bit, I think we'll be in good shape, but you know, that that's my big question for Penn state to be able to take the next step this year. I think, I do think it's going to help that you get Ohio state kind of in the middle of the schedule. You don't have them at the end attrition shouldn't be as much of a factor um you know and listen if if things are rolling offensively for ohio state it's not going to matter when you play them like there's not a good time to play the buckeyes if mccord's still struggling playing them earlier on in the season is definitely an advantage um plus you get a little bit of a break i'm not i'm not gonna say that maryland's a a mail it in game but look I, I don't think nine win Deanna is going to ride this year. So that's probably an easy win at home. And then, you know, you go to college park and, you know, maybe it's a scary game, but I think you should on paper beat, beat the Terps. And then you get to come home from Michigan and Rutgers before finishing at Michigan state. Like it's not, it's not a gauntlet of a schedule at any one point, the way that I feel like some of these other teams that we've mentioned in the top of the FPI have. And so for that reason, I just I, I I'm just choosing to be a little bit more optimistic about Penn State. Now, are all the concerns that you have valid? Sure. Uh, is it going to hurt that you lost Joey Porter Jr. and Jair Brown off uh, that defensive secondary? Yes, it is. Very curious to see who steps up and, and fills those slots. But the talent is at is there at Penn State, and and to me that defense, no matter who's who's out there, I, you know, and I, they haven't exactly had a pass rusher who's just been super elite. I mean, listen, Mike Parsons wasn't a pass rusher at Penn State. Uh, that was a that was a Cowboys invention. So I would love to see them get a little bit more pass rush this year. And then they always just seem to have guys in the secondary. The question for me is how is that offense going to function? And if that passing game can be more explosive than what they had with Sean Clifford, which I don't think is a very high bar to to clear. Nope. Um, not at all. <laughs> I think I think the Nittany Lions could be a, a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think I think that they have a really solid chance. This is probably James Franklin's best chance to win the Big Ten since shoot, probably 2018, 2019, somewhere since in there. So that, yeah, that Rose Bowl season. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I I'm excited to see what they can put on the field this fall. I just wonder which which direction are we going to take identity wise to, to finally get that Ohio state monkey off our backs. Well, let us know 
who you think uh, should be higher, should be lower in your FPI top 15. Let us know who you'd like to hear us cover in a future episode. I mean, listen, also shout out to uh, to the one year anniversary, by the way. Um, yeah, happy anniversary to us. Uh, ooh, it's, it's this week, actually, I believe. Um, I'll have to go back and, and check Spotify. But yeah, we've, we've officially turned one as a podcast, uh, which is kind of cool. And uh, if you remember, if you're an OG, if you've been with us since the very beginning, which a number of you have, um, this is when we start to really ramp up kind of the peak off-season coverage, right? Storylines really start to emerge. We start to roll out predictions. Um, we do a ton of research on on all of this. And we also have a magazine coming out with the Transfer yeah. Portal CFB. So that research process actually started far sooner than uh, than it, I think it normally would have. But yeah, we're joining the preview, ma- uh, preview magazine rankings, which will be a lot of fun. So head on over to at Transfer Portal CFB. To find that, uh, I think you can pre-order it, and it comes out uh, very beginning of July. And then, yeah, rock with us here on the transfer portal for all the latest news. Uh, we'll have some recruiting commentary as well as a lot of commitments are coming down uh, right now here in the summer months. Now, do they hold? Do they stick? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine, but it's fun to talk about. So I'm sure we'll be hitting up more of that as well. But uh, yeah, just really excited to be in the month of May. June, July, the media days are coming quick, and uh, then Trey will have a football season before we know it. Yes, we will. And so, you know, I, I t- little tease for the preview magazine. I, I wrote a little bit. My my search history is like all BYU stuff right now. So, hoping that that doesn't affect my algorithms or whatever. But, um, you know, you know, I wrote in the little lead to my BYU preview that a lot of people are starting to talk, Mitch, that this is a throwaway year for college football. And I just want to nip that in the bud on this podcast. You know, with with all the big conference moves that are coming up in two years, the 12 team playoff, so many people, I'm starting to hear the rumblings that this is just a throwaway year. Not for the three technique, just rest assured that we are treating this as, you know, as exciting as ever to move into 2023 with the rest of you guys. That's so interesting. I, I would love to dive into that. I've actually got a note in our show prep to talk about that. I would like to make the argument that college football is in the best place that it's ever been in, including 2023. So there you go. You tease something, it led into a tease for me. There we uh, go. There you go. Stick around and uh, subscribe on YouTube and Spotify for uh, for our next episodes. But for Trey Reeves, I'm Mitch Mason. That'll do it here uh, for this episode. Let us know what you thought. Like and subscribe as always. And until next time, so long, everybody. <laughs>